Evening, everyone. Um, this is Gully from the Wolves Fancast. Welcome to your latest episode. Um, spoke to the gaffers and I've managed to wrangle a post this week. Um, don't tell HR, whatever you do. Um, but um, we'll obviously uh, recording immediately in the aftermath of the Man City game. Um, we've got quite a bit to cover um, as well. But uh, I've got with me today uh, Ryan Hooper. Hello. Daniel Hughes. Evening. And Jordan Russell. Evening, gents. Gents, before we crack on with uh, our, um, our topics for discussion, how are you feeling immediately? Just, uh, just a quick thought from each of you on, on today's game. I guess for me, <sighs> I wouldn't say I'm, I'm gutted. I, you know, I'm just slightly disappointed is probably how I'd describe it. Um, so we'll go into kind of probably why I'm feeling like that and the others will share their views but as a general mood I'd just say on the ratio just a little bit disappointed Is is there a word in the dictionary between frustratingly relaxed That's um, a bit of a paradox I think Mm. I'm I'm, I'm frustrated because of the this, the chance that we missed in the second half, but overall we were beaten by the better side. Kevin De Bruyne is literally in the top two best players in the world for me, behind me. <laughs> um, but he, he's on, he's on another level, and when he when he's ticking like the way he was tonight, they're an, they're an hard team to beat. Yeah, Jordan, what's your gut feeling today? I think um, first half, Man City would probably. The best team to come down Molyneux since we've been promoted um, in a 45-minute spell. Other than what I can remember of Liverpool in our first season back um, just before Christmas, I thought they were unbelievable. Um, I think we made it a bit easy for them. I think we were slightly passive. But second half, we've gone toe-to-toe with them. And realistically, take your chances, we could have quite easily got a point out of that game. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll delve much deeper into... The uh, goings on over the, the 90 minutes um, shortly, guys. But a lot has happened since our last pod record. Um, and we'd like to bring you the really big news. So, of course, we're going to start with the Carabao Cup. Um, very quickly, boys. Um, what the hell happened against Stoke? We need to fast forward this because that was... I, I literally forgot all about it. It was that bad. Of a, it was that poor a game. I literally slept about thirty minutes of that match because I saw I'd seen better Sunday league games. It was shocking. It was truly shocking stuff. If if anything, there is to take from that game. Um, Vitini and Fabio Silva. Obviously, that's the first time we've seen anything of those two. Um, any initial thoughts on how they performed? I think Vitini showed glimpses, didn't he? And I think um, you know. We talked last season about a certain type of midfielder that we may need, and we'll probably look at that when we go into the game with the performances of who sort of was in centre midfield today. He, he looked decent, but yeah, I don't think anyone really came out of it in, in great light. Um, obviously, um, Silver as well, you know, um, there's plenty to come for him. So yeah, it, it was a disappointing one, and not much, I think, value we can gain from that one, unfortunately. Jordan, what did you make of the goal? What, the Stoke goal? (laughs) Um, Well, I thought the game was proper shit. And um, I think the goal we conceded was 
proper proper shit. Proper so shit, uh, yeah. Um, like I say, the, I don't really know what else we can say about it. We were just, yeah, like Dan's alluded to. I, I've played in better Sunday League games, uh, <laughs> many of them. We were, we were that bad. Um, it was a bit of a, for me, it was really disappointing though, because I felt like with, with us not being in Europa League this year, that it, it could have been a winnable competition for us. Um, not, not for this like, Euro, like European conference bollocks don't really care about that but actually just to to win a trophy I thought it would have been really nice for us to you know we could have got a good run on it but no excuses really we played a strong enough team to beat a Stoke team and we didn't turn up and we got what we deserved yeah I think that was the thing for me we actually Nuno obviously set out to try and win the game very much with the, the lineup that he announced um, but we didn't turn up on the day and Stoke Managed to score a goal and 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 take the take the victory. Um, the less said about John Ruddy's effort on that, the the, the better I think. But um, we'll move on. Um, and uh, obviously, there's been a lot of transfer activity over the past few days. Um, all very exciting. Uh, we'll kind of get a nod to the outgoing, the most significant outgoing, um, which was Diogo Jota joining Liverpool. Now. There's been a lot made of this on social media. Uh, was it the right decision? Yeah, and kind of a wide spectrum of views across the Wolves fan base. But um, Dan, start with you. Where, where do you think this uh, sits on the good business scale? Yeah, if if you if anyone would have caught my little snippet that I did on the Anfield wrap on Saturday, I, I just think when it all boils down to it, it's, it's the best for all parties. He wasn't a guaranteed starter for Nuno anymore. I think his time had come when Paldens was suspended for a uh, severe and he, he didn't even get brought on off the bench until after Neto. His time was up. It's good money. His stats last season were awful, in my opinion. Seven league goals, two against Norris, two against Brighton. It's not good enough. 45 million to steal. He might go on to be worth 80 million. But not for wolves. Good, good business. Ryan, what do you think? I always disappointing to see him go. I think you know the thing is with Jota. Um, I think probably different to, um, in my opinion, other players who have moved on like Doc, who I felt we'd probably reached our maximum with. You know, we sold a player twenty three. Yeah, okay, you can look at the stats in the league that you know they don't look good on paper, of course, but with his age, what he offers to the team. And the ability to improve, um, for me, you know, he hadn't reached his, his peak and um, it was disappointing to see him go. But I think ultimately when the champions come calling, if you can command that type of fee, it's great. So you can look at it in one way and say, yeah, he, he hasn't deserved to start this season because the form of Pedence previously and, and, and Neto as well, um, you know, far outweigh Jota deserving a starting role that was pretty much his, you know, 18 months ago. But for me, I've always been a fan of Jotter and continue to be a great fan of his ability. So for me, disappointed to go, for him to go because he's been one of my favourite players of this era. But I think ultimately he wanted to go. So if a player wants to go, um, to get that level of money and then, as we'll come to in a moment, be able to use it to strengthen in other areas where we may be a bit light, and whilst I'm disappointed, um, I can't really have many complaints with the sale. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, forty-five million um, sounds like very good business um, based on his recent form. But um, Jordan, I found it quite interesting what Nuno said about well, what's been reported about the fact that his decision was made kind of early on in pre-season. There's almost um, an ex- acceptance that um, they were going to move Jota on. What do you think of that? I think yeah, I think how, how quickly the story broke. Um, I think it was a shock to everyone, really. Um, felt like obviously something was up when he turned up against Stoke and then left pretty quickly that something was going on Uh, but I still didn't think he'd be getting sold that quickly so it's obviously been in the pipeline for some time and uh, our ex-illustrious leader did say in the summer that he'd heard that Jeffrey had paid him a visit around the house and um, who knows if that's what the conversation was about Um, yeah I'm good to see him go most definitely my favourite player in this Nuno regime just for you know I know he blows hot and cold but when he was hot he was just unplayable at times and we're going to miss his tenacity and I feel like a game against City where you know you're not going to have as much of the ball these are the sort of the games which are settled for someone like Diogo Jota um, you know he could go on to to Liverpool and become an £80 million player like Dan sort of alluded to I think he's a fantastic boy for them in terms of I think he's quite interchangeable at any of them front three offers them a lot of cover Um but for us, really, you know, someone we brought in for like what twelve million pounds, and we're getting north of like forty-one plus four. I think with the four extra with um, appearances and all those other bonuses, it's great business for us. And um, yeah, big miss. But I think all round is a good deal for all parties. Yeah, I think there's no doubting that um, you know he's had a massive contribution to our rise over the last couple of years. Personally, for me, I think. On his day, he was probably the best player um, that we had, um, the most dangerous forward. Um, you know, carrying the ball. You know, you just I've watched that clip of him um, turning Lucas Moura inside out um, at Spurs away last season. You know, umpteen times over the course of lockdown. And uh, I will miss I will miss the way he used to carry the ball and stuff. But um, good luck to him. I really do hope it goes well for him up at Liverpool. Um, just not when he. Plays against the Mighty Wolves, of course. Um, now, more excitingly, Ian Cummings. Um, one confirmed, which is um, Kiana Hoover. Um, he has played against us. We have seen him play very fleetingly um, as a 16-year-old. Um, but a signing that I think addresses um, a couple of issues for us. He's versatile, like, Nuno, like Nuno likes. Um, obviously, the wing-back position has been, uh, you know, well... Um, publicised that we needed a bit of cover in that area at least if not a starter so um, what do we think about that one guys Jordan um, what do you make of it um, I think from the fallout on Twitter it, it shows that it's um, quite a bit of a street business by us really um, my old man's a, a big Liverpool fan he was gutted to see him go um, I know he made his debut against us at what 16 I think it was in that FA Cup game a couple of years ago um, obviously someone that highly rate and I think there's an argument to say that yesterday when they played Chelsea as good as Fabinho was at centre half he could have been in with a shout actually starting from yesterday um, definitely addresses that you know that issue of you know right wing back until you know the big news broker of a certain someone from Barcelona might be getting on a Ryanair flight over here in the morning. Um, but, you know, I think that with someone with his, with his, by his raw talent and pace and his 
stature. I think that probably the right side, right side is centre half position. His athleticism is probably something that is an upgrade on us, uh, well, upgrade for us in terms of makes us stronger at the back as well. So I, I'm really excited to see him play, and I hope that over the next coming weeks, it, you know, the upcoming weeks, should I say, that he'll get blooded in and given an opportunity. Yeah, hoops. Do you see him featuring much? Do you think? I think so. I think you know we we know how Nuno often introduces players, and sometimes it's a uh, a bedding in process, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like Jordan, really, I can only glean from sort of social media and, and sort of the the general feeling from Liverpool fans because I don't think really he started for them in the uh, the league, but obviously, as you mentioned there, he's played in cup games for them. Um, but eighteen, um, you know, and a lot of a lot of potential. So I think we've got a nice bit of experience there um, in defence, but then it, then we've got you know a mix of that, you know, with an exciting young talent. You know, he describes himself as a flying Dutchman and. I think somebody that can be a conventional wing-back if he plays there or fill in at right centre-half just gives us more options. So, um, yeah, I think with that and, and as you say, Nelson, who, who we've been linked to, which we may touch on in a moment, um, it looks really strong at the back. So, I'm excited to see him play. Does anyone know where the Flying Dutchman thing comes from? I've, I've, I've no idea what... It's like a stereotypical, um, yeah... Phrases, I don't know. I'll have to be Google there was, it. Then. There was a pub down in Warstones called the Flying Dutchman. Yes, that's that's yeah. no indigo. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Of course. Of course. That's an upgrade. So hopefully this Flying Dutchman is. It's an upgrade it's, it's a legendary ghost ship uh, gully, which was said to never be able to make port, doomed to sail the oceans forever. Um, deep. That is deep. Um, that wasn't in Warstones. <laughs> There's a lot of ships that pass in the night in Warstones. <laughs> <laughs> what a kind of euphemism must that be? Um, Dan, what, what do you think of this one? Uh, good signing? It seems to be uh, sort of the epitome of a, a, a classic Nuno signing where his versatility seems to be quite strong the credibility that he's got from all I'm not seeing a Liverpool fan sort of comment on social media the same way we would do if say Conor Ronan was sold if you know what I mean so the obviously Ray he obviously has got the ability and my only concern is with the the rumours that you hear about Liverpool talking about Rian Bruce is that they haven't got a buyback clause on the kid which makes me think maybe they only seem reaching a certain level I mean, he's been behind um, Trent and Nico Williams, so he, he was never going to get first-team league appearances, was he, at this age? But from the credibility that Liverpool fans give him, he does seem a, a, a good boy, yeah? Yeah, I, they seem to be doing quite a bit of business with some of their youngsters. I mean, they managed to get X amount for Dominic Solanke, which I find amazing. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this one, just because... You know, he's obviously been reared up in the Ajax Academy when he was a youngster. So maybe we've got a bit of total football coming our way as well, um, which is always nice to have. Um, but we'll move on to an unconfirmed one for now, um, but I think one we're all expecting and one we're all excited about as well. Um, the true um, answer to our right wing back problems, uh, and that's Nelson Semedo. Um, Dan, I'll start with you. Um, we're signing a player from Barcelona. Um, he knows and has played with Lionel Messi. 
Um, yeah, how does that make you feel? Yeah. Who? Is that the, the one who's always in Cristiano Ronaldo's shadow, the little bloke? No, he's, this is the... Um, the fraud, the coward. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 play in the Premier League. He's the, he's the bearded and short-haired fraud as opposed to the bald one. Um, talk about me or Messi here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so yes, yeah, so Nelson Semedo. I've made my opinions very clear about Barcelona and my affinity to, to Real Madrid in the past, but even I'll admit, you, you don't play over 100 games for Barcelona if you're a mug. The, the Barcelona fans might not like him, but it's because he's not Dani Alves, not because he's a poor player. Um, it just shows, I think what Hoop said on Twitter the other day, it's just nice that we're not buying players from Bohemians anymore. And <laughs> a, a team like Barcelona... I, He's got to be a top player. Well, to see how it goes. Obviously, it's a lot of money for a, a fallback, but that's if if we're going to break top six, that's the sort of money we need to be spending now. Hey, if he has half the career Matt Doherty had for Wolves, he'll have done well. We all no. agree in that side. <laughs> Clearly. Well, yeah. I, I mean, but then in terms of you know an, an upside, I mean, yeah. If you if if you know in terms of expectations, they're they're probably a lot more heightened than they were when we had Doc coming. But as Stan was saying, it's just testament to where we're at. But you know, twenty six. Um, you know, looking to reach his peak. Hopefully, you know, over hundred games as Stan's alluded to for Barca. Yeah, just just really excited. So. Um, I think we've really got a nice mix in that defence now. Um, and I'm going to kind of be interested to see over the course of the season what that first um, 11 will look like, particularly defensively, um, and how many of the, this, these new signings will become regulars and perhaps one or two of the mainstays may have to make way because these aren't players that are going to, I wouldn't suspect, are going to sit on the bench that I would expect. I mean, who do you think? I mean, it'll come in instantly, I guess. Obviously, right, right wing back for Dharma, but um, yeah, we've got lots of options. So you know, I think we're recording this after a loss to Man City, but I'm just really excited to to see these new players bed in. Jordan, I've got one question for you, mate. How happy are you that we've signed another Portuguese international? Um, yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's becoming the norm now, isn't it? Even we're even signing Brazilians who speak Portuguese, which is you know seems to be like the the new national language or native language of Wolverhampton. So um, I'm all for it, and I love to see everyone getting pissy about it as well. Um, you know, everyone saying, "Oh, Wolves signed another Portuguese player again." Or well, where were they when Mick, Mick McCarthy signed Anthony Ford and Kevin Foley and Kevin Doyle and Stephen Hunt and all these other Irish, you know, bandwagon players? It, it didn't matter because we were shit then. But now, obviously, we're buying quality in. All of a sudden, it's a big old. Oh, what about the what about the squad registrations and all this sort of stuff? Like, ultimately, if you're a good fisherman, you fish in the right pond, don't you? So, <laughs> you know, you're not, like you know, they know the players inside out. You know, mm. and why go? Why spend that money on untried and tested? player when you know you you know them Nuno might have been around him or some of the coaching staff might have been around him at some point during his career yeah like it's it's a no-brainer for me um ultimately he comes in it'll improve the team we've gone from Doherty to Samedo which is mental um but like Hoop said really I'm looking forward to seeing these new players bed in now um and I think that we could have a real 
exciting back line. I think we could be even more expansive um, in transition. Mm. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I do enjoy how um, all the um, homegrown player quota experts have all come out all of a sudden trying to work out how the hell we're doing this. It's uh, it's quite... Um, seeing them tie themselves up in knots trying to work out the... Um, where we're going to fall foul of something eventually. It's, it's, it's really yeah. quite amusing. As if the, pro- if, as if the, the football club has no, has no idea that um, these rules exist. Or something. And the thing is, though, Gunny, if anyone plays football manager, you just know that you just can't register 25. So we could have, yeah. we could have 18 Portuguese players. Absolutely. No problem. Or 17. But it don't matter. Leave so, the space. Yeah, uh, yeah, they need to do some research before they start slagging us off. Play some football manager, boys and girls. Go on, read it. But, but, but you're right. And what Jordan was, was, was saying there, there was a bit, I remember like, as you all will, in the, the McCarthy era, when there was a bit of criticism to say only oh, he signs Irish players or he signs players from Reading or he signs players from Sunderland. You, you know, you, you sign players who you're comfortable with, that you've got the knowledge of. And, you know, and, and just to follow on from, from um, Jordan there, it won't just be Nuno, it'll be these coach and staff. They'll know these players, they'll work with these players. That You know, the players themselves, you know, it wouldn't be un, um, unheard of that he'll go and speak to Patricia and say, well, what's he like in training? You know, what's his character like? So, it's all good. I don't, I think Wolves fans have got an issue with it as long as you're successful. And at the end of the day, you look at some of the poor value of, of say, British players, then it's a no-brainer to bring these type of players in. Absolutely. I think it goes further than that in the sense that Nelson Semedo, you know, a Champions League footballer, doesn't blink, look twice at Wolves if we don't have that um, kind of bed of Portuguese, um, you know, the, almost a community um, at yeah. the club at the moment. So, you know, he'll off the back of that. And I'm sure we're all really excited to see him play. Um, and... I personally think this is the first signing really that improves the starting lineup, um, despite you know we, the fact we made some good moves. Um, so I think it's a really good step in the right direction. Yeah. All right, guys, that'll do for the first half. Um, we'll move on to the uh, Man City defeat uh, after the break. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Wolves fancast. Um, now, we are recording on the evening of um, our 3-1 defeat at home to Man City. Um, obviously, um, second game of the season, goals from Gabriel Deus, uh, Kevin, De, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Phil Foden put paid to us. Obviously, we pulled one back with Raul Jimenez in the second half. Um, Dan, what were, were you expecting much from today um, at kick-off? And, in hindsight, do you think um, we deserved anything more from the game? I think this is what why people hate us the most is that we we always speak in hindsight. You, you look at the sort of the team lineup at kickoff, and I think a few of us were like, "Oh, we needed and maybe an extra man in midfield, or we we need Den Donker." It's all. I think we had the comment the other week: Den Donker and one Neves and Matinho against that City midfield. Was always going to be a, a tough task. I've said in, in the WhatsApp earlier. I think without fans in the stadium, Man City will steamroll teams because it's just constant training ground drills for them. They, they do it day in day out. The, the way they pass teams off the pitch, they know when to press. They know when to sit. They are an unbelievable team to watch. And I think if you don't get at them, and then the, and you haven't got fans there to start putting pressure on them, they'll just uh, 
play off the pitch like we saw in the first half? Oops, uh, I mean, obviously they were missing the likes of Aguero, Laporte, Gundogan. Um, I mean, they had to delve into the depths of their team and put John Stones out, for God's sake. I mean, obviously they're, they're really scraping the barrel there, aren't they? <laughs> but you know what? He had a good game, didn't he, in fairness, Stones, today. But yeah, I mean, to, to, to your point, I, I fancied us because generally we've had a decent record against City over the last few years, um, no more so than, than last season. You know, coming off a, a, at least a sharp league performance, and you don't know how City are going to start. Then I fancied us. Um, I think that it is a really good point about the crowd, and I think there are going to be certain sides that it actually will work for or against this season in terms of crowds. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at the the game la- last year when we were two 0 down, and you, and we all know the atmosphere within that ground and that expectation and that feel, and it sounds very cheesy, but it was as if you know, the fans were sort of, you know, blowing the goal in, you know, we it was that much of a, a force within the stadium. So you take that out of it and then you have an environment which can be similar to a training ground and you're up against, you know, real high technical world-class players, then probably we are going to be a little bit short. But going into the game, I still fancy us because I just fancy us against anyone because, you know... Um, that's kind of what we're about. That we're there. We've got the. We've got you know players that really um, teams should be fearing more than we should be fearing them. But look, well, you know we perhaps all go into detail in the moment and between us. But um, first off, we, we look very ordinary. I think we were our own worst enemy at times. But City were very good, and they look like even at this early stage that they're going to have a very good season. So. Um, but yeah, going into the game, I, 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 I fancied us and I saw no reason why we couldn't have got a result. And as it's turned out, that, that I still feel that way. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, Nuno's obviously spoken of this um, new cycle and, and a new approach as well. Um, Jordan, do you think there was a discernible difference between the way we tackled Man City last season and, and today? I just don't think we were allowed to put our stamp on the game at all in that first half. They they, um, they wanted to do us, didn't they? Let's be honest. I mean, we did the double against them last year. You know, we, we always give them a difficult game. And um, they know they need to turn up tonight. And um, like I said earlier, I thought they were breathtaking at times in that first half. Um, similarly to Hoop. So I looked at that Man City team today, and this is going to sound a bit silly. But that's the weakest City side we've played since we've been in the in the Premier League on paper, for me. Um, with a port out, Aguero out. David Silva's gone. I still don't think they've replaced company. And a big one again today, like Gundogan, being out with um, coronavirus. Um, he always plays in every big game for City. So, and he would have definitely played tonight, I'm, I'm sure of it. So, him being out as well, I thought, you know what, I really fancied this as well. And... Um, you know what, they come out first half and they're just, yeah, they were, like I said, they were breathtaking. I think Nuno's obviously come out about saying he wants to implement this new style of play and I sort of said it in jest that I can't really see where, how, he's, how, how this is working at, at half-time. But you know what, it was it was just great to how good Man City were and um, I think it did show sort of in the second half the qualities that we've got and some of the play um, and the chances we've created. 
that you know we can go toe to toe with Man City. Uh, we can go toe to toe with these big teams. It needs no it needs. We don't need to say that. We already know all this. Um, but you can't give teams like that two goal advantages and get away with it. I know we did last year, but you're not going to get away with it every time. So, yeah, unfortunately, we're beaten by a better teams tonight. Yeah, I think it was noticeable at half-time, um, scrolling through social media and, and, and your various WhatsApp groups and, and that. Everyone was quite comfortable with the idea that, you know, Man City were just very difficult to live with, um, no matter how annoying the commentary was um, in that in that regard. But um, before any of the goals actually went, you know, I thought it was a, perhaps a significant moment where um, Marcel was obviously taken off injured. Um, no real idea of what's happened there. Do you think... Do you think that had an impact on the game in any way? I do to some extent because I think you can visibly see it as well in the second half. Um, I think Ruben Venagra's confidence is completely gone. So in terms of obviously Johnny's gone out with a long-term injury and I don't think he's been good enough at times for us in a Wolf shirt, Venagra. But after that severe game, he was arguably our man of the match and I think that he probably anticipated that he was going to get a long run in the team. Even when we signed Marcel, you know, played the best part of the season at Leon at left centre half. So he sort of felt that he'd possibly like slot into there. Um but then to see him play left wing back ahead of you. Um and he obviously played fan you know, he was brilliant against Sheffield United. Great player, great signing. Um but I think it was quite visible for me anyway that I think Vinagre's just lost his confidence. Like that first year we had him, when we went and played City in the Cup and he was doing his step-overs and Rabonas and whatever else he was doing to Carl Walker, making him look silly. I mean, he tried it a few times tonight and um, just every time he got the ball, I, just, I don't think he knew what he was doing with it. Um, so I do think it had a bit of a, well, I do think it had a big impact on the game because Marcel would have made us a bit more solid down that left-hand side and maybe... With him being a bit more solid and maybe able to tuck in, it might have meant that Troy Ray could have pushed a bit further up the pitch as well. So I do think it had a, I do think it had an impact on the game. But how good City were, who know? It's hard to say to change the result, but I do think it definitely impacted the game. I think for for me though, George, I think defensively a bigger impact was the performances, particularly in the first half, as of of Bolly. Codes and obviously Sace, which you know was 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 noted with the the challenge. So I I, I agree with you and Vinagra that look, you know, I, I was a massive fan of him, and you know, I think we all were in terms of when he came onto the scene and we're itching for him to come in. And you know, we we see him offensively, you know, was changing games when he first brought onto the scene, and we thought perhaps after that severe game, it was a sort of a coming of age, you know, um, match for him. So. I think, yeah, he made some suspect decisions. But for me, I was just more concerned that I just thought those three centre-halves... Sace, I think, got better second half. But for me, I think, you know, we looked particularly shaky amongst the, the three in the centre rather than out wide. I would agree with that as well. I, just, I think I just meant sort of from a... I suppose from a defensive point of view, um, like I say, I don't think size Well, all... Size or Bolly particularly had great games, um, but you know there's an argument there that maybe with Marcel on that left hand side, um, that ball that got slipped in again. I'm not laying any blame down Vinagra at all because it wasn't his fault. But I just think how how well we defended as a unit last week against 
arguably the best team in the league, them and Liverpool most certainly. Um, having the change so early can disrupt your plans a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, Dan, City don't tend to need too much of a helping hand, but would you agree that we kind of helped them onto the score sheet to begin with in the first half? I don't like throwing anyone under the bus, but it's like saying you've already got a mountain to, to climb with City being the team that they are and giving a penalty away like that, you, you're just leaving yourself open to a beating. I don't think, like what the others have said, Bolly Bolly Sags and Cody had the greatest first half. I didn't think Cody did too bad, but I think a lot of his diagonal balls tonight were just a little bit off. I thought we found it hard to get out from the back because of how high they were pressing. If you had a look during the, uh, the Sky Sports footage when they had the positional map, it looked like Man City were playing a 2-4-4 formation and high up the pitch they were playing against us. And I think that showed with how hard we had uh, finding to get out from the back, uh, getting the ball up to him. As I think his like, lack of touches was shown uh, compared to Sheffield United game. And we, we, he was literally isolated in that first half. And I think that's why we need that extra man in midfield, just to keep the ball a bit better and try and break our way up the field a bit, a bit better. It's disappointing in overall the, the defensive performance, but the same. We, we, we've played a really good team tonight, and I think that they will push Liverpool a lot harder this season. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on the the fullbacks being really, really high for them. I think when you look at it from like a kind of aspirational point of view for us as a club, the intensity and the bravery that they show in pushing men on to get the ball back onto us, you know. We're, I think we're, we're trying it a bit more this season. You noticed it a little bit more against Sheffield United. We're pressing a bit higher. We're probably playing a bit of a higher line. But we're still a little bit... We're still tentative compared to City. I mean, Walker and Mendy were win-backs and um, there really was nowhere for them to go. And the, the usual balls, Cody would pick out to each wing-back, you know, the little diagonals. There weren't options for him. And when you stop our wing-backs getting into the game, then, you know, a lot of our attacking play does... Um, does seem to falter. Yeah, I've, um, said that, I've said that numerous times over the years. A lot of the time, new now strikers are his wing backs. It's all about these tactical um, pattern plays, which ends up with our odd wing back being in the the attacking in in, in the box to finish off the, the set piece. As it is, um, style for walls at that area. You, we will come unstuck. I think this is why. With the new cycle, we need to just have a bit more of a bedding in here and see where we go from there. Hopefully, with a Samado and um, hopefully another wing back in at left, we can uh, push on. Uh, whose fucking idea was it to sell Doherty? Eh? Um, who's sorry for Vinagre because he, he, he like he is what, what, what you mentioned. He is void of confidence now. I mean, you, the clip when he was coming on for Marcel, it looked like Nuno was trying to give him a bit of a pep talk, and he just looked as if to say. I really don't want to go on. He didn't look like he wanted to go on. I think Nuno tried to give him a quick like slap around the head to like G him up, and he was just having none of it. It's a shame, really, because there is a player there. Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. There definitely it's, is. it's 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 yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know kind of where his future lies. I think you know there were links, weren't they? Um, that he was going to move on. Um, was it Monaco? I think was links. You know, and obviously what some of the Mendes clubs he's been linked with as well, but. We'll see, but I think absolutely on a positive, we've we've got some good options now defensively. So, um, but if Vinagre is a part of it, then it means that we're doing well. Yeah, hoops. Um, I was going to say the um, second goal goes 
Uh, any question marks over Patricio's involvement in that, do you think? I don't, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I probably wouldn't be so 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 critical on, on, on Patricio there. I'd, I'd have to watch it back, um, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I think it was just a, a stage in the game where, you know, it, it was inevitable. So, yeah, I'd have to look at that. But I wouldn't put too portion of blame on uh, Patricio. Could have yeah, been 10 uh, if it wasn't for him. What's that? Sorry, could have been ten if it wasn't for him. Yeah, he made he made a couple of saves. I wouldn't necessarily say. Uh, I, I mean, when when he recalled chances, uh, De Bruyne went through and he made a save from him off that. Up until the point Saves gives away the penalty. I mean, yes, we're being overrun. Yes, they're keeping possession. Yeah. They're not necessarily carving us apart at every single opportunity. Um, the, the thing I was uh, mentioning about the second goal, with pushing out, and I think he kind of makes up Sterling's mind for him with that action, just by giving him the option to square the ball. If, if Sterling has a has to try and finish it from that angle, I think it's a difficult finish for him. Not necessarily, uh, you know, the most difficult. Yeah, on his weaker side, and Patricio says to him, "Go on, try and beat me." And he is he's a good shot stopper at the end of the day. So um, he, he could have done backing himself a little bit more there, um, but. Jordan, going 2-0, half-time, um, how positive were you at that point in the game? Obviously, we were 2-0 down last season um, to City um, in slightly different circumstances. But did you feel optimistic about the second half in any way or was he just kind of beholden to City with the, the way they were playing? No, there was no positivity there whatsoever. I was uh, dreading coming on this podcast thinking I'd have to talk about a 6-0 defeat, to be honest with you. <laughs> but... You know what? Credit to the players, really. We um, second half, we had our chances, and um, I mean, there's obviously Jimenez potential one when he went through one on one. He also could have had a shot, couldn't he? When he let it roll for Neves, I've got no idea what what was going on there. Uh-huh. Um, look, we, we've we in the second half, we've gone toe to toe with Man City, and. Yeah, tonight was, again, although we beat them twice last year, I suppose you could look at it as a bit of a, a little bit of a free hit. Um, I, I want to sort of move away from that now we're in our third season. But it was a little bit of a free hit because, you know, the, they were the favourites for the game, rightly so. Um, but if we play like we did the second half, we've got a run of like five games, I believe it is now, which on paper, we sh- well, there's no reason why we can't win all five. Um, especially playing once a week, um, so you know by the end of October, I'm re- I'm really positive what I saw in the second half and against Sheffield United that we could be this season's Leicester of last season sort of thing that we could actually be up there and there or thereabouts um, coming into the Christmas period and that 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 what I've seen in the second half today has done more enough to excite me about the team moving forward, especially with the additions to come in as well. Dan, any of the chances in the second half particularly stick in your mind that are, you know, haunting your your nightmares a little bit right now? I think the the, the chance that powered inside where he's tried to lift it over Edison, the idea is completely there, but but I do a lot better. I mean, (laughs) I, I have to keep going over it, lads, but if that's me on goal, it's in the net. If that's Jotter in on goal, is it in the net? 
Oh no, he had a trip dog ring top like he did in seven. <laughs> oh Dan, stop the hate, man. Stop the hate. He's gone, um... lads. Get he's gone, lads. Stop bigging him up. He scored seven league goals last season and it was against farmers. I, I mean, it's a valid point, I think, and I, I will make it um, that someone is going to have to pick up the slack um, that Jota and Doherty left. They were quite key goal scorers for us. And yes, we created chances. Great. You know, honestly, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, I think we're evolving our attacking game a little bit based on the second half that we saw today. Neto, um, Pedence, both really heavily influential um, in that as well. But, you know, they do need to start putting those chances away. And I know we're only two games into the season, but it's still a question mark that we'll need to kind of cover it. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was frustration with the, the chances. And I mean, in fairness, Pedence had a, a lovely chance just prior to that, that sort of on, on the turn chance, which wasn't far away. Jimenez did, you know, sort of um, one where he just sort of drew the ball, you know, off the back post. So there was definitely chances in there. Um I thought Neto and Pedenz were pretty average first half, but I thought they were better second half. And I think Adam Ross will get a bit of flack, but you know, I actually didn't think he had a bad game as, as as it went on and looked most likely to. So I think we've got some good options there. We also know we've got options, you know, in set pieces as we saw, you know, in the first league game. So I'm not concerned with the, the chances missed. It's disappointing, but um, I, I'm I'm not concerned with our goal output this year. I, I think. I think we'll be okay in that respect. Talking a bit more positively, um, our goal was a nice bit of quality, especially from Pedence dropping the the nutmeg on Kevin De Bruyne as well. Uh, what did you make of that, Jordan? Um, sexy. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. it was it was nice, wasn't it? And I think that. <clears throat> We saw flashes of Pedence last season where you could quite clearly see his quality on the ball that he had. And um, who knows what might have happened if he didn't get suspended for that severe game. Um, but as soon as you get him on the ball and we're on the front foot, I, I think he's a terrific player, honestly. And um, he made De Bruyne look silly for about five seconds, didn't he? Before he went and put one in the back of the net and obviously got an assist and man of the match as well. But we'll just focus <laughs> on those five seconds and say... He made De Bruyne look like a mug, didn't he? Uh, through his legs. A cracking delivery as well. And um, I think he's going to have a real big year for us this year. And um, where you talk about that goal output, and he might not necessarily have the goal threat of output of Jota or, you know, Doherty. But he's still, actually, no, you'd still back him to score at least 10 goals. But, I think he's going to create a hell of a lot more than what those two did in terms of assists. Yeah, that's um, two assists in two games. Uh, now, I mean, the goal, I don't know if you thought, Jimenez seemed to put pace on the ball with the header as well. It's a ridiculously powerful header from that angle to, to get it past Edison as well. Um, now, there has been talk um, that one particular midfield maestro of ours um, might beyond the wane in terms of his powers. Um, I don't know what you guys think. Joao Moutinho seemed to be um, a little off the pace today. Any any of you guys agree? Yeah, I think probably being kind, aren't we? And I think we're being kind because of the status and the esteem that, you know, we hold him in and, and he's 
deserves to be on that pedestal, um, you know, from what we've seen as, as a footballer. He's, he's been amazing. But I am kind of starting to talk a little bit past tense with him because I thought there were times last season where he looks off the pace. Um, and I think we were just touching on that just before coming on for record. That 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 is probably inevitable, you know, with sort of his age and um, the demands of, of the game. But, um, yeah, look, he was poor wasn't he? Um, and, I, and I think the key this year is I don't suspect if we are to be successful that he's going to feature as heavily as he has because I don't think he's got it in him to replicate what he's done previously. Seen in the Wolf shirt for his technical ability and the way he can dictate games. But it just looks like a task for him to get into sprints at times. And going back to what I said earlier, not having that extra man in midfield, I didn't do, think, allowed him and Neves to to, uh, to play their, at their best level tonight. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I might be stretching this analogy a bit, but you know, like if you've organised to like, meet someone and they've called you, you're in the kind of same vicinity, but they've called you to say, where are you? And you can see them, but they can't see you. And they're kind of spinning around in circles, kind of looking for you. That's what I thought Jao Moutinho's performance was like today, just kind of constantly turning around, wondering where the hell the ball was. And you know, it's no shame to be kind of, you know, had rings run around you by Manchester City. Obviously, they're an unbelievable football team, um, somehow put together by this ball fraud. Um, but, you know, it, it does seem to be that, He's kind of, you know, his legs are kind of slowing down on him a little bit. And I made the point last time when I was on the pod, Dendonka plus one, I think, is the way forward for me. Um, and it might be the case that Matinho is a kind of a one in three, one in four kind of player at the moment. Um, because Neves needs to be taking a little bit more responsibilities. I think he's the future of the club as it stands. I think without... Let me, let me try and give you a different analogy. Without being too derogatory to him, Man City were on Wi-Fi and he was on 3G. <laughs> it was it was, it was, was on, on dial-up. Uh, it, it was just that far <laughs> off the pace. And when you've got a team that can press and can dictate a, a game like Man City can with Kevin De Bruyne, he, he just looked like he was struggling to to get into sprints. And with a with a midfielder like Dendonku, who can actually get about the pitch with a bit more energy and a bit more physicality, I just don't think him and Neves really stood a chance against that midfield. Rodri and Fernandinho. They're really top centre midfielders who can control the game and then just let Kevin De Bruyne run rings what he, what he needs to do. I think they have got a superb midfield and without that extra man, we, we, were, always, we were always going to struggle tonight for me. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Gully. Fernandinho, 35-year-old himself. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's not always a, uh, about the running, is it, I guess? I just not thought... necessarily. Yeah. I'm with Dan now. I think, you know, I do champion Donk a lot, but I just think, you know, it's what he adds. And I think him and one of it just kind of just makes the balance. I think, um, yeah, we, it was, I don't know how to describe going with Neves and Matinho against Man City, but it was, it was kind of like, wow, okay, you really fancy it because I felt as if we should have been a little bit more cautious and added a little bit more steel. And I think Matinho fries when Den Donk is in there, but I think the two of them against lesser size, it's not an issue. But against that side, I think, yeah, I don't think that um, that worked tonight. Jordan, any other notable performances for you, good or bad? Um, 
I thought I thought Patricio was good. I know you sort of said you thought he might have been at fault with the second goal, but I thought Patricio was very good with what he had to do today. Um, Bolly, I, I don't like doing all this, but like, I thought Bolly was a bit sloppy. Um, yeah, I mean, you could pick out a few of them, couldn't you, really? Uh, ultimately, it just wasn't our night in that first half. And with Matinho. I mean, I know he, I know he sort of was a bit of a, a passenger at times tonight, um, but I don't think Matinho's done at all at all. I think he's a high quality footballer, and the big difference is, like you say, you know, Fernandinho's playing for Man City at thirty-five, but it don't half make a difference when you've got the ball and you're on the front foot. And um, maybe he did get it wrong tonight, Nuno, in the fact that it should have played Dendonka or, you know, could have played Dendonka, Neves and Bettina or whatever you wanted to do. It's, look, it's good to look back on hindsight and say we could have done this, could have done that. Um, but yeah, I think that there's still there's still quality left in Bettina and I still think there's a bit of life left in the old dog yet. Yeah, I think, um, it, it, I think that's a good point. I think in terms of... Um, you know, when when you look at Messino um, and you look at look at an age factor, I think it's all, it all depends on on perhaps opposition. So um, didn't work tonight, but you know, I'm not sort of writing the guy off. But I just think it just makes us aware if we weren't aware, which I'm sure we are. And perhaps the Virginia signing is 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 testament to that that he will need to be replaced ultimately. Um, well, I guess that kind of leads us to a man of the match award uh, of sorts, guys. So, um, Ryan, who, who would you give yours to? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I'll probably get a bit of criticism for this, but I don't mind. Um, I would actually think Adama for perseverance because I think it didn't work out from first half and it could have been someone that could have been um, taken off sort of early doors, but I think he persevered and... He, um, yeah, he, he went on the offensive front foot. So, yeah, uh, not a great performance by anyone, but I'll go with Adama. Hello? Anyone else? Oh, Dan? I think we were just... I think we were all trying to work out who was going to give you slack yes. for picking Adama, to be honest. Because, <laughs> like what you said, I thought for first half... He, I don't think any of them had a great first half, but his perseverance, his, uh, he was constantly a threat to them. Once I think he had Mende, Men, Mendes. Jorge <laughs> Mendes. I wish he was playing left-back for Man City. <laughs> now, I thought he had Mendy on the ropes again at times during the match. Um, there was a few times Fernandinho and Roger had to come over to, and he, he skipped past them with relative ease. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any, any negativity towards picking a dial. For me... I just think Paulins was was our was our main threat all night long. I thought every time he got on the ball, he was looking likely to make something happen. I love a nutmegs, and with that assist, I think that's just what edged it for me. Jordan, yeah, yeah, I think for me as well. I think um, again, I did say no one really, you know, no one really did a lot in that first half. Um, Second half alone, I thought every time Pedence got the ball, it just looked the most likely to unlock something. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping or praying that he has a, a big season for us this year. He's a very yeah. good, very good asset for all the football fancy football managers out there who need a cheap midfielder at the moment. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he's um, he's building himself up a reputation, that's for sure. Um, I, I've actually thought Cody had a pretty good game in spite of the fact that Sace and Bolly seem to be losing their heads around him, to be honest. I can't, I, I can't really think of anything that Cody... He wasn't at fault for anything. Go. I just no. struggle to ever pick a defender as man of the match when you can see through. Yeah, yeah. No. Pedence as well, I think. Yeah, he was he was pretty exceptional. If he sticks that left foot shot on the turn in the top corner, I mean that would have been an unbelievable goal to to cap off that performance. But um, we'll try and get that defeat out of our system. Um, and there's only one way to go about that, boys. I think that's by a little Dan quiz. Correct. So over to you, mate. So as always, there's three of you tonight. You all get two questions each. One's a general knowledge walls and one's the answer smash so I'll come to you uh, Gully first nine years ago this week Wolves lost 2-1 at Anfield who headed in his own net past Wayne Hennessy that day oh it's one of two I think it was Richard Stearman that's incorrect Oh, no. The Royal Hoops or Jordan want to have a quick guess. I'm not giving you the point for getting it right, but I'll let you have a guess. Ward. I'll go with Berra. I thought oh. if, it, if it wasn't Steaming, I was going to go Berra, yeah. We'll have a quick guess, Hoops. Uh, Ward? No, it was Roger Johnson. No. Oh, of course it was. It was one of two. You all had three guesses and none of you got it right. This is <laughs> the Wolves fan cast. That's the standard. <laughs> Tend to try and erase him from the memory, though, that's all. Yes, yeah. This one's a bit of a tough one, but it's yours, Hoops, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> of all the people you could have. Yeah. Have, you, have you strategically picked him out? Like? I've, I've, I've dedicated questions this week because it's usually a farce and it's, it's already begun that way. So I'm going to keep it <laughs> Name the famous Hollywood actor which visited Man City's captain and training ground in 2015, who shares the surname of a Wolves fullback from 2010. Oh. For those hackers into Zoom, Gully's raised his hand in some sort of acknowledgement that he may know the answer, but he probably doesn't. You reckon? Wolves fullback 2010, Holly, yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood, actor. Hollywood actor. Share the same surname. Share the same surname. Oh. The cogs are working. They are work well. I think he's on 3G like Matinho. The cogs are in place, but um, no, I'm going to have to pass. Uh, Gully or Jordan, do you want to have a guess? I'll let Gully go because he's put his hand up so politely. The only fullback I can think of is Yellow Van Damme, so John Claude Van Damme. Oh. That would be the correct yeah. answer. Oh. Oh. Yeah. No Just points. No rules. <laughs> you, you doubted me. You doubted me and you was wrong. Okay, so Jordan, here's your question. 16 years ago this month, so you were 13? Yeah. Wolves loaned who from Manchester City? 16 years ago, 2004, was it Michael Bischoff? It was. Oh, great shout, that is. That is I might get technical shout. and say it's Mikel Bischoff, but <laughs> it's rare we get points on this quiz anymore, so I'm going to give it you. 
<laughs> what a player he was, by the way. That'll be a shock. And then we, we, we signed him again on loan in March, I believe. Anyway, this is the answer smash part. So, first question to you, Gully. Name the money-saving expert who played on the wing for Wolves under Mick McCarthy. Money oh, I've got this one. Oh, I think I might know this one. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm going to give you eight seconds using the... Played on the wing? On... Yeah. Oh, I can just think of... Is, that, is it Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert guy? Lewis Goburn? Martin Lewis Goburn? Oh, he's got it. I'm going to give it, yeah, but just know next time my fingers had run out. So Get some point. more fucking fingers then. <laughs> so that's 1-1-0. One, one, Hoops, your question. Fullback signed from Sheffield Wednesday in 2005, who's had stints in gangs. Sorry, I'm going to have to reword this. Fullback signed from Sheffield Wednesday in 2005 and famous English actor who's had stints in gangs in Afghanistan. Ah, I forgot this. Yeah. The cogs are working again. Oh. Uh, he's scratching his eyes. That means he's, he's clawing at the brain. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be a Scottish fallback. Um, Ross. Ross Kemp. Um... Where are your fingers now, Dan? Yeah. I'm going to have to cut your hoops. I'm afraid cut me off. I started moaning. The correct <laughs> answer was Maurice Ross Kemp. Maurice Ross Kemp. Yeah. Maurice Ross Kemp. Yeah, former Rangers player at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Jordan, if he gets this, wins this week's quiz. And it's probably the easiest one of the lot. Premier League manager who would like to fill me in. And I'm going to go with the 10 fingers. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Craig, oh, Craig David. Uh, oh, my God, I can't think. Oh, my God. Who are we playing Moisey? this weekend, Jordan? It's Moisey. Moisey. Yeah, Craig David Moyes, yeah. The ferryman. It's the so, ferryman. We're going to have to go to a tie break. And this week's tiebreaker is Sunday's fixture with West Ham will be the 66th com- competitive fixture between the two clubs. How many of Wolves won so far? So if you can both. Oh, Jordan, you ain't even got video, you stain. Hang on, wait there. I, can't I need get you on the to show me your answers on the screen when I prompt you, and then I will read them out, and whoever wins wins this week's quiz. It's a sim. Just repeat it quickly, uh, sorry. Sunday's fixture with West Ham will be 66th competitive fixture between the two clubs. How many of Wolves won so far? Okay. Um, Jordan has gone for 31. Gully has gone for 18. This week's winner is Gully. The correct answer was 22. So Gully was four off. <laughs> you obviously thought we were a lot better than we actually are, Jordan. 
Just uh, just because we've been beating West Ham every time we came back up, yeah. I don't think it. it well, I was thinking. I was thinking about when we beat um, um, when Paul had scored and ran like in front of the West Ham fans four two yeah. back in the day as well. Big um, Why Big did West Ham ever have Jimmy Walker in goal? He was my height. <laughs> <laughs> Warsaw legend, man. Yeah, he had a bit. He had a decent career for himself, really, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's still goal. He was goalkeeping coach at West Ham for ages as well. Ian Bennett for Blues. All my height, and I don't know where they made a career in goal. Unbelievable. Lee Camp as well. Is that not a slight exaggeration, Dad, to say they were your height? Yeah. But for <laughs> comedic purposes, I'm going to go with it. <laughs> no wonder he loves Daniel Pedet so much. <laughs> He's only got an inch on me. And I reckon that's probably because I'm 33 now and I've shrunk a little bit. <laughs> it's already started. Yeah. <laughs> Hair went at 23, height at 33. What's next? Bald. <laughs> <laughs> In a manscaping incident. Yeah. That's it. All right, boys. Uh, well, that quiz went as well as we could hope for. Um, finally, to wrap up, uh, we've got some questions from Twitter Corner. Um, sorry, just uh, getting them up. Can I just say it was really good to see that the uh, the Wolves women team got back to winning ways th- this week after being unduly robbed of promotion last season. A massive 6-0 victory. I mean, setting the standards again. Well done to them. Which Wolves. nicely on to this tweet, Dan, uh, from at KingWolf84. After last season, how good was it to see this tweet? And it's the full-time score from the Wolves women game at the weekend, which is 6-0 against, was it Leamington? Uh, hashtag LEA, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, no, it's Leafield Athletic. Um, but yeah, well, I think we all um, were made aware of the the um, farce of the null and void situation for the Wolves women last season. And they were posting those kind of scorelines on a regular basis, from what I recall. Absolutely tearing teams apart um, every week so nice to see they're all um, they're all back at it and doing what they do best yeah I mean I think that's the thing you know with the Wolves women they probably don't get the recognition they deserve because they had a great season and I think you know as, as Gully's referenced there it was it was crazy that you know they couldn't get the recognition for what was an amazing record breaking season so hopefully they'll get their their just rewards this year Um, question from Lynx Wolf. Uh, has anyone able, been able to watch the Renaissance video without getting a little something in their eye? It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I remember this was shared in the WhatsApp group before I realised that it was tweeted out by the club, but um, it's a bit of a lovely watch, isn't it, boys? Yeah, I think that's something that the um, the media team at Wolves have actually got right in terms of the last few years. I think since Frozen coming, they've got a lot of things right with the club um, and re-engaging the fans and getting us back on side. But in terms of the media stuff um, and like, you know, the social media stuff, the tweets and sort of what they're doing now, like sort of the match day live interactive stuff. um, I think it's a massive plus for us. And I think that the sense I get from it all, I I feel like we're a massive club with it. It feels like we're doing things proper now. Um, and yeah, testament to the to the, the social media team and the production team for putting a video like that together. It was it was truly, truly uh, 
breathtaking, I guess. It was, you know, quite emotional. So hopefully we've got some more members to put on there at the end of the year. I don't tend to cry at football videos because I'm hard as nails. <laughs> I might cry in like the ground when we win promotion or when, when a big game or a big goal goes in, but watching videos back, it just makes me more reflective to what could have been. So I don't really get teary based. It's more frustration than tears. I've remembered that um, there's a YouTube channel, Wolves Babble, who would put together like you put together like a compilation yeah. of the new know season. And I'd, I've watched it. I mean, I'm sure it's all legitimate how he managed to source all those clips and everything. Um, but I remember what I watched that on loop, like after we got promoted, just because it was such a, a nice, you know, inspirational kind of video to watch. Um, maybe they've hired him to do that work secretly without any of us knowing. But, um, good on you boys keep them coming um, one last question guys from Andy Smith um, over the next two seasons who are the five current first teamers likely to be at risk um, tough one given we've only got about six players but um, what do we reckon we say Bolly will be like mid 30s by then or Matino will be gone by then so that's two yeah Jimenez will be gone that's three Never's all be gone because Faust and Amasset stripping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking Invest, I'm joking. Investment firm, investment firm. They're going to go at some point. I mean, it can happen. I, I think Hoops mentioned it the other week and I laughed at him, but with this new cycle, it wouldn't surprise me if Cody's gone in five years. Yeah, I think, look, we've, we've shown, you know, or Nuno's shown, it's, it, you know, there's no place for sentiment. I, I, I think... For me, I, th- I think Sace may, may go um, sooner rather than later, which might surprise a lot of people, but I think he will. Uh, I think he'll be naturally moved, moved on. Uh, I think Moutinho as well. Uh, and, and others will naturally go. Um, but as I said it earlier, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think the side that we put out tonight will, will look very different come the end of the season. So I think that will naturally show who, who perhaps is moving on and and who's who's um who's staying the course. And there, two seasons down the line will be Oscar Bear still filling the nineteenth man nineteenth man squad squad position. Um Roderick Miranda still on the books. <laughs> yeah. Leo Bonatini. They're all still there. <laughs> Hidden, tucked away in a corner of the training ground, ready to be uh, shipped out on loan. Connor Ronan signs an eight-year contract and goes to Brasov. <laughs> yeah. <off. laughs> yeah, and 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 everyone says, <laughs> I reckon, I reckon he's still got a future at this club, lads. I reckon he'll still yeah. And John Ruddy's still the cook goalkeeper. One Something's still changed, but something's just won't, boys. Um, and I think that's a nice note to leave it on. Um, thanks for your time, gentlemen. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed the episode, guys. We'll. Bye from Hoops. Bye-bye. Good night from Dan. Bye-bye. And it's uh, Adios from Jordan. Adios, kids. Stay in school. See you later, guys, and uh, looking forward to speaking to you next time.